Well, good morning, everybody. If we haven't met yet, my name's Tom. Uh, I have the privilege of providing leadership to the church plant um, as lead pastor on eldership with Herrick Berga and his wife, Heather. Uh, both of our wives are serving in kids this morning. Um, they're incredible. Uh, and there's an, inc- like Herrick said, there's an incredible group of heroes. I love that you use the word heroes because it's so true. Uh, one of the things about this church family is God and f- his sovereign grace has just in, I, don't, I can't think of the right verb. He has given us a lot of children. Like there's just so many kids a part of this church, but it's an incredible opportunity to raise them in the ways of Jesus so they can know him and enjoy him and obey him and operate like him and live a amazing life. So I'm stoked about that. But just wanted to welcome you this morning. See a handful of new faces. Um, stoked that you're here, man. Go ahead and grab your Bibles. We're gonna be in John chapter 10 this morning. Uh, for the sake of time, we're going to be like, literally go through the entire 10th chapter of John today. Uh, you might be thinking, like, how are you going to go through that many verses um, in, in such a short amount of time? Uh, I'm going to do my best, okay? There's a lot in John chapter 10, but there's this 30,000 foot view of John chapter 10 that we can't um, negate. We have to see this from 30,000 foot because I think it has implications for our life. Um, we are kind of in the middle of this series that we're calling Jesus Is, uh, we're going through the Gospel of John, kind of as a, as a refresher for the, many of you guys have been journeying with us, but we're going through the Gospel of John, and there's a purpose for us going through the Gospel of John. We want to learn as much about Jesus as we possibly can, because what you and I believe about Jesus, hear me say this, is the most important thing, probably in your life. What you believe about Jesus, not just what you acknowledge to be true, but what you actually trust to be true, what you believe, biblical belief, what you believe about Jesus is the most important thing in your life because it will determine how you live your life. There's a lot of implications here. So that being said, I'm going to, for the sake of time, I'm just going to pray for us. We're going to jump right into the scriptures, okay? Will you pray with me? Um, Father, thank you. Thank you that you reveal yourself to us in profound ways. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your kindness and your faithful love, your stubborn devotion to your children, even ones who make bad choices like me. Um, But your grace is just so satisfying and so good. So Holy Spirit, we look to you now. We really want you to point us to Jesus. We need him. I pray that right now, God, that you'd kind of even start to, as we talk about... um, this morning, as we get, talk about the Good Shepherd, I ask that like you'd help us start to form um, and maybe have memories of the ways with which leadership has kind of affected us in our life. Some for the good, some for the bad. And God, more than anything, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would help us see what leadership in your kingdom is really like. So we look to you now in faith, knowing that you love us because of Jesus, knowing that you're with us because of your Holy Spirit. Um, and you desire us to enjoy you more than even we do. So we love you. Pray these things in your holy and beautiful name, Jesus, and all God's people said, amen. Okay, so like I said, I'm gonna read the entire 10th chapter of John. Stay with me. I'll be in the Christian Standard Bible translation. It'll be on the screen, amen. Um, Now listen, though, as I read this, you might be going, okay, this is a lot of verses. It's okay. Listen to me. There is so much power in just the public reading, the public declaring of the word of God. So even as I read this, trust me, God's going to speak to most of you in the room in profound ways, okay, just by me reading this. Let's jump in. John chapter 10, starting here in verse one. This is the words of Jesus. He says this, truly I tell you, anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in some other way as a thief and a robber. I want you to picture his words. As we read this, just try to visualize this, okay? Anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in some other way as a thief and a robber, verse two. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens it for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all of his sheep, all of his own, yeah, all of his own outside, he goes ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they don't know the voice of strangers. Verse six, 
Jesus gave them this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. He's he's talking to the Jews, okay? Verse seven, Jesus said again, truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. A thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, since he is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens because he has a hired hand and doesn't care about the sheep. Verse 14, again, Jesus says this, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay down my life for the sheep. But I have other sheep that are not from this sheep pen. Really quickly, he's talking about non-Jews, you know, the Gentiles. That's you and I. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice. That's encouraging. Then there will be one flock, one shepherd. This is why the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. Verse 18. This is, I love this. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down, and I have the right to take it up again. When it says right, it's talking about authority. Okay, he has the authority to lay it down. He has the authority uh, to take it up again. Verse 18, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down. I have the right to take it up again. I have received this command from my father. Verse 19, again, the Jews were divided because of these words. Many of them were saying, he has a demon and he's crazy. Why do you listen to him? Others were saying, these aren't the words of someone who is, a, who is demon-possessed. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Really quickly, last week we talked about the, the story where Jesus maybe he makes like the, the spit mud thing, you know, and he rubs it in the guy's eyes and he, and he heals the guy's blindness. This is all part of that same kind of narrative, okay? He's saying, can a demon open the eyes of the blind? These are the people like, can the guy who just healed this guy's blindness, can that really be because of demonic activity? Verse 22. Then the festival of dedication took place in Jerusalem and it was winter. Okay, really quickly, you need to know what the festival of dedication was, okay? The festival of dedication was this kind of eight-day-long celebration. The Jews knew how to party, okay? They would, they would take any, any um, opportunity of celebrating God's goodness, his faithfulness, his love, his provision, his care, and they would celebrate who he is and what he's done for an extended period of time, okay? This is one of such celebrations, the festival of dedication. And what it was was it was a, celebrating the rededication of the Jewish temple, okay? So for over a week, eight days, you have these Jewish people and what they're celebrating is they're celebrating the new beginnings they have because of God. New life, new beginnings, fresh start. Okay, verse 23. 23. Jesus was walking in the temple in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews surrounded him and asked, how long are you gonna keep us in suspense? If you're the Messiah, tell us plainly. Verse 25, I did tell you and you don't believe, Jesus answered them. The works that I do in my Father's name testify about me. But you don't believe because you are not of my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. If you ever doubt the divinity of Jesus, verse 30, I and the Father are one. Verse 31, again, the Jews picked up rocks to stone him. Jesus replied, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of these works are you stoning me? So he's basically, I did all these miracles, these signs, these amazing things. For which one of those incredible things that I've done that point to God, which one of those things are you gonna stone me? Verse 33, we aren't stoning you for a good work, the Jews answered, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. Jesus answered them, isn't it written in your law, I said you are gods? Really quickly, he's quoting here from Psalm 82, okay? He's basically shoving in their face that they're hypocrites. Verse 35, if he called those whom the word of God came to gods, 
and the scripture cannot be broken, do you say you are blaspheming to the one the Father set apart and sent into the world because I said I am the Son of God? Verse 37. If I am not doing my Father's works, don't believe me. But if I am doing them and you don't believe me, believe the works. This way you will know and understand that the Father is in me and I in the Father. Again, the oneness. Beautiful trinity. <coughs> Excuse me, verse 39. Then they were trying again to seize, to seize him, but he eluded their grasp. So he departed again across the Jordan to the place where John, that's John the Baptist, not John the author of this gospel, <clears throat> had been baptizing earlier and he remained there. Many came to him and said, John never did a sign, but everything John said about this man, Jesus, was true. And many believed in him there. Okay, <clears throat> so here's what I want to do. We could do another several-week series just on this chapter, but like I said earlier, there's something at 30,000 feet above this chapter that I think has implications for all of us in our life. Here's what I want to do. Let's talk about some of the characters we just read about, okay? The first characters I want to talk about is the sheep. Okay, the sheep. Um, how many of you guys have ever, ever experienced, or had any experience, I should say, with sheep? Um, <clears throat> so four of us, great. Uh, I spent a little bit, I've been to uh, Ireland a couple times, just ministry trips, a few times actually, and there are way more sheep there than there are in Southern California, believe it or not. And I remember there's one morning, uh, I was staying, uh, th- this, this wonderful family that leads a church in Northern Ireland, actually, they're hosting me, and uh, I wake up and like, there's fields everywhere, right? It's all green and it's kind of rainy, but they're, and there's sheep out there and I'm watching them and they're just, they're doing the same thing over and over, okay? The thing about sheep is they're, Frankly, they're pretty dumb animals. And they, and they really only do, if they're not sleeping, they really only do two things. They graze, which you know what grazing is, right? So they, they, they have grass or whatever that they're grazing. They're, they're eating the grass. And if they're not grazing and they're not sleeping, they're wandering to go find more grass to eat. <clears throat> so they graze and they wander. Um, that's why it's really important for sheep to have a shepherd, because they will graze and they will wander and they will graze and they will wander and they will graze and they will wander. And oftentimes they'll get themselves into trouble, into some dangerous situations. And I was thinking about this. Uh, people and sheep are a lot more similar than I think we would like to admit. A lot more similar. Um, and here's what I mean by that. You and I, I'm not better than you, we spend a lot of our lives grazing and wandering. Grazing and wandering. We consume one thing after another. Our culture has conditioned us to be consumers primarily and not contributors. So what we do is we, like, we, we, we feel like we're kind of the sun in our solar system and everything, the gravitational pull should come to me to satisfy me. So what we do is we consume one thing after another. Why? Trying to satisfy deep longings, trying to satisfy cravings. So we consume one thing and then we move on to the next. And we consume another thing and we move on to the next. We graze and we wander. So I think for some people, it's, you know, it's entertainment. I'm going to list off a couple things right here. None of these things are inherently bad, okay? But I want you to see this picture. Grazing and wandering, consuming, right? Moving on to the next thing. Whether it's entertainment, maybe it's a show or it's whatever you look to. It's like, I consume this thing and I'm on to the next. I consume this thing and I'm on to the next. I consume, maybe it's not relationship for you. Or maybe it's not entertainment, maybe it's relationships for you friendships, romance, whatever it is. This relationship, then on to the next, and then this relationship, and then on to the next. Maybe it's traveling, trips, this trip to that trip to this trip to that trip. Maybe it's just stuff. I'm convinced we're a lot more like sheep than we'd like to admit because we graze and we wander. We consume and then we move on. You tracking with me? No. Yeah? Okay, great, great. Okay, graze and wander, that's the sheep. In verse uh, 12, Jesus mentions another character. He mentions the wolf, okay, the big bad wolf. And Jesus says something about the wolf. He says that the wolf does two things to the sheep. Did you catch what they were? He does two things to the sheep. First, he snatches them, which is basically like taking them away from the flock, right? So he snatches them, he snatches the sheep, and it says that he scatters the sheep. So that's essentially like dividing them. So he pulls sheep away from the flock and he divides the sheep. He scatters them, okay? Really quickly. Um, 
word of caution. <laughs> Anything and anyone that promotes isolation or division in your life is a danger to you. You hear me say that? Anything and anyone who promotes isolation or division in your life is dangerous to you. In the same way that the wolf are dangerous to the sheep. What do I mean by that? Um, here's one that I, that I think st- kind of starts to happen in the church specifically uh, more often than I'd like. Um, and what that is is like this kind of subtle influence of like, you know, you don't really need community. You don't, you don't need community. You're too busy. You got a lot going on. Or maybe you're too tired. Or here's the one that gets me the most, most angry. Or you're too messed up. Like you're too broken. You've gone too far. Or like you're, you're just too much. So you don't need to be in community. That's for other people, not for you. Or on the flip side, <clears throat> those people those people are too busy for you. Those people are too busy for you. Um, those people are too much messed up. They've done too much. They're too broken. If you spend any time around them, it's going to be bad for you. Do you see where I'm going with this? You're too busy. You're too tired. They're too busy. They're too tired. Division is, you know, here's the thing. You know that division is being promoted when you yourself, you find yourself avoiding being present. Ah, uh, nah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna pursue that. I, I, I was going to, but there's just too much going on. Okay, and how, and you guys know this too. Like when we talk about community, there is, there is, there is. It's more than just being present, because you can be present and not be known. You can be in the room and be totally isolated, because there's a community is not just being in the room. Community is actually being known. It's important. It's important. There's a difference between being present and being known, okay? You need both of them. And here's the thing. When I talk about, like, isolating, I'm not talking about alone time with God, okay? Don't hear what I'm not saying. It's important. We should absolutely prioritize having intimate, close time with our Heavenly Father, hearing from Him, making our requests known to Him, and and, um, giving Him time uh, to, to, to remind us of the beauties of the gospel and what that means for our identity. Absolutely. That's not what I'm saying. Okay, we should prioritize that, but we should also prioritize community with people. It's an important thing, okay? Why? Because it's dangerous for sheep to be divided and isolated. So hear me say this. Other than you like planning a surprise party, doing things in secret is dangerous for you. Straight up. Wolves, they, they isolate and they divide the sheep. And the crazy thing is the Bible actually talks about the, like wolves infiltrating the church. In Matthew, I think it's chapter seven, he describes how they're like wolves will put on sheep's clothing. So if the sheep are the, is the church, the people of God, the flock, God's flock, right? You have wolves who will dress up as sheep to come into the church to cause isolation, to isolate and to divide. Um, the first time I ever experienced this, this was over a decade ago. I really didn't have a concept. I was a relatively new Christian. I didn't have a concept for what it meant for someone to come into the church with like poor motives or selfish motives or like dangerous motives. Um, <clears throat> and there was a young man who was in the church. Uh, he was 24 years old at the time. And uh, are there kids in the room? I'm gonna speak in code. Uh, <clears throat> he began to have an inappropriate relationship with uh, a 15-year-old girl in the church. And it didn't happen like overnight. Um, but what happened was he started to kind of invite her away from the flock. He started to kind of, he attempted to isolate her. And over time, it worked. And then what he did was he used her. And it was awful. And it was painful. And what was worse was that nothing was really done about it. And then fast forward um, a couple few years, he did it again. Only this time, he did it with a married woman, with kids and a husband, and it was devastating. Pulled them away from the flock, isolated and divided. Listen, when the Bible speaks of wolves, it's not just 
referring to like sex stuff, although that's part of it. You see it in the scriptures. It's not the only thing that wolves are after. In the New Testament, they talk about wolves being after money. So they'll come in and try to like, they want to weasel people away from their, or from their resources um, or they just want authority. So they want like power. They want position. They want role because they want to lord it over people. Wolves, they take the sheep away and they divide. Okay, next character, the thief. Uh, in verse 10, it says, Jesus says that the thief, this is crazy, comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. So that's exclusivity. You guys know what exclusivity means? That means their only agenda, the thief's only agenda is to steal, kill, and destroy, Okay. Clearly, that's dangerous to the sheep as well. Let's go to the next character, uh, the hired hands. So, so far, I want you to see that some of these, there's all these characters other than, other than the sheep so far, they're dangerous to the sheep. The next one, the hired hand. The hired hand, this is somebody who's brought in. Okay, this is someone who is, is hired to tend the sheep. So we talked about how the wolf dresses up as the sheep, right? the sheep puts on sheep's clothing. The wolf poses as the sheep. The hired hand poses as what? The shepherd, absolutely. The hired hand poses as the shepherd. But here's the thing. The hired hand isn't a true shepherd. Uh, I remember when I was in uh, high school and even junior high, there was kids that wore like skater clothes um, that didn't actually skate. And you got, I feel you, Zach. (laughs) And people would call them posers. It's like a teenage Guy in skater clothes is posing as a skateboarder. The, the hired hand is posing as a shepherd, okay? But the hired hand is not a true shepherd because the, hired's, the hired hands, hear me say this, his primary concern is not protecting the sheep. It's getting paid. Uh, look back at verse 12. I want to read it to you. The hired hand, verse 12. The hired hand, since he is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them, the sheep. This happens because he is a hired hand and doesn't care about the sheep. I want you to see that about, this hired hand is is a big deal. The hired hand's main concern is himself. And don't you see, like, that violates the very essence of what it means to be a shepherd? Because a shepherd exists for the sheep. Like the sheep don't exist to like give the shepherd a job. The shepherd exists to care for and protect the flock. Um, Yeah, so the hired hand is his concern is not the sheep, it's himself. And the word hired here can confuse things. Um, I I don't want to be confusing. I actually really want to be clear because there's a difference between a hired hand and a pastor who's financially supported and freed up to minister. There's a difference here, okay? Because the, a true pastor is a shepherd. A true pastor is a shepherd, whether or not they get a paycheck. Because the shepherd exists for what? The sheep, absolutely. Not the other way around, okay? So I don't want you to get confused here when we talk about this. One of the things about our church, we unapologetically, the vast majority of our budget goes to freeing people up for ministry and planting new churches, like overwhelmingly. And we do that unapologetically because we think that's the best way to make disciples who make disciples, which ultimately ushers in God's kingdom and his agenda to renew every sphere of everything. You with me on this? Okay, so I'm, I, wanted, I know it's, you're looking at the, 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 the staff pastor who gets a check from the church, but it literally just exists to free up our time to be able to devote ourselves exclusively to that, to the making of disciples and caring for the flock. You with me? Okay, so there's a difference here. Um, I'll be straight up with you. I've met hired hands and it is frustrating. It is frustrating because they take advantage of the sheep. All right, I'll, I'll get off my soapbox. Uh, like I said, this, this makes its way into the church. I would bet, I would bet that there are some of us in the room and you've had this experience. You've encountered hired hands. Someone, you know, it's someone's hired into the church the, the, the sheep, they look to this person as a shepherd. And here's the thing, for a season, they tend to the sheep, absolutely. But when something better comes along or, or it's not as beneficial to them or when something dangerous happens, they bounce, 
They flee. Um, I really feel I just need to pause for a moment and thank God, our little church plant. We have so many gifted shepherds in this, in this family, guys. We are genuinely privileged and blessed by God himself. Um, I'm going to put you on blast for a second. Uh, Herrick Berga. Herrick Berga gets a check from the church. You want to know how I know he's not a hired hand? One, I have a, I have history with him. I know his I know his strengths. I know his weaknesses. We have we have there's a lot of um, history. Uh, kind of I I know him, but apart from that, the sacrifices that him and his wife make, the sacrifices they made just to come move here to help this church get started, is is phenomenal. Okay, and then the sacrifices that they make every single day for many of us in the room the farthest thing from a hired hand because of the amount of sacrifice. You can't fake that. You can't fake sacrifice. Why? Because the shepherd exists for the benefit of the sheep. And it's not just Herrick and Heather. Like, I'm looking at you, Wilson. Like, the ways I've watched him sacrifice for our church, him and his family, like, reorienting their lives because they love the sheep. They want to care for the flock. It's not just them. The list could go on at Dorian, Rosie, uh, Tracy, uh, Mark, uh, Kylo, Andrea, Bombsteads. like so many of us. I could literally just go around the room right now. So many people in this room, gifted shepherds who care for God's flock on the regular. It's a gift I just want to like pause and say thank you, Jesus, for the ways that you pour out your spirit on us and the ways that you empower us to love each other and the gifts that you give people who aren't stingy with those gifts. It's a testament. So I just want to affirm you, restored Temecula. This church is filled with gifted and sacrificial shepherds. I love it. Okay, so just really quickly. Hired hand is different. Hired hand, primary concern is themselves, right? A true shepherd's concern is the flock. All right, last character I want to focus in on is... The Good Shepherd. Um, This one is my absolute favorite. Look back at verse 3. The Good Shepherd. We're going to read verse 3 here. The gatekeeper opens it for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all his own outside, he goes ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. Okay. Couple things here, really quickly. The good shepherd calls his sheep by name. Do you know what that means? That means he knows his sheep personally. It's a big deal, okay? And then it also says that he leads them, it says that he goes out ahead of them. Um, do you know what that means? This is beautiful. How many of you guys know what a coachman is? Show of hands. Anybody know what a coachman is? Bingo. Yes. Okay. So a coachman is, you guys know like a, um, a horse-drawn carriage? Yeah, like in Cinderella. Okay. So you picture, picture your favorite horse-drawn carriage. Okay. The coachman is the guy with the reins. He sits in the front of the carriage and he's the one who's kind of like leading the horses. And what does he do? Usually he has something else in his hand. What is it? A whip. Absolutely. What's the whip for? I love this. No, the whip's to like get the horses moving, right? To drive the horses. So he has the reins to steer them and he has the whip to drive them. That's the coachman, right? To guide them. The good shepherd is totally different. The good shepherd, it says that he draws them. He does not drive them. How do I know? Because he goes ahead of them. He goes out in front of the sheep. And it says that he calls the sheep by name. Hey, come follow my lead. Come here. Come here. He doesn't drive them. He goes before them. And he calls out to the sheep by name. The good shepherd's calling out to some of you this morning. Come follow me. 
Now listen. He draws you to himself. He will not drive you. You have a choice. But hear me say this. The good shepherd never stops drawing you. He never stops calling out to you. But he's not a coachman. He does not have a whip. He has a staff. So, obviously, Jesus is the good shepherd in this story, right? I mean, he comes right out and says it. And he says that you and I are the sheep. Here's a simple question for every single person of us, every single one of us in the room. Are you, not the person sitting next to you, not the person sitting behind you, not your friend who didn't come with you, are you one of his sheep? Like, are you part of his flock? Uh, I love that it actually gives us four things here that Jesus' sheep are marked by. So if you have any doubt, I ask you that question, you're like, well, I think so, but maybe I'm not sure. It's, we see it right here. There's four things that describe, that mark Jesus' sheep. Look back at verse 25. Let's go through these really quickly. Verse 25, <clears throat> Jesus is saying this. I did tell you and you don't believe, Jesus answered them. The works that I do in my Father's name testify about me, but you don't, what does it say? Believe, believe because you are not of my sheep. That's the first one. Okay, so if, 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 if people who don't believe are not his sheep, then people who do believe are. So that's the first one, belief. Uh, verse 27, my sheep hear my voice. That's number two. I know them. That's number three. And they follow me. That's number four. These four things, we're going to go through these really, really quickly, but these are important. Okay, these are massive. And when I say these four things, I don't mean one of these four things. I mean a combination, all of these four things. So believe, they believe him, they hear him, they are, they're known by him, and they follow him. Let's break these down. Believe him. Um, the Bible, when it uses the word belief, it's not just talking about acknowledging that things are true. Okay, because if it did, I mean, James talks about how the demons believe. We're not, that's not what we're getting at, okay? When the Bible talks about belief, it's talking about trust. So much so that it informs your action. You're placing your trust in something. So belief is, is, is not just acknowledging that something's true, it's trusting something, okay? So when we talk about the, 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 the sheep, they believe him, it, it means that they trust what he says. What, what does that mean? Ultimately, that he defines what's true. That, 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 that Jesus is, is the definer of truth in your life, not popular culture, okay, not what you see on TV, not on the gram, not on social media, like Jesus and Jesus alone, he's the definer of what's true. Here's a big one, not even your feelings, not even your emotions. Hear me say this, God has given us emotions and it's an amazing thing. They're, it's a gift from the Lord, but it can also be exploited. Why? Because we're still battling this thing called our sinful flesh that can get in the way of things. Far too often as a pastor, here's, I hear this and I immediately cringe because I've seen it abused so often. Yeah, I made this decision, I really feel at peace about it. Wait a second, that's cool, but like, does it contradict what Jesus has said? <laughs> Because that's not, that's not a, a higher form of truth about like our emotions, how we feel are not a higher form of truth than the word of God. You with me on this? I do this all the time. So I'm not condemning anybody in the room. I need the grace of Jesus just as much as anybody. Okay? If it violates what Jesus says, <clears throat> it's not true, ultimately. Okay? And if, 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 if you're feeling this thing like, I have peace about it and, it, and you haven't even explored whether or not it violates what Jesus says, that means you're defining truth by your feelings. It's a dangerous place to be, okay? Jesus says his sheep believe him over anything and everything. Okay, the next thing, his sheep hear him. Okay, that word hear in the original Greek, what it means is it means not just like hearing, like just bringing information. It, 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 a better translation would be like heed, so you, you listen and you respond. So those two things married together. You with me? So when it talks about hearing him, it's, it's listening and obeying, okay? It's discerning what Jesus says and responding to it. Those of you guys that are parents in the room, you know that this is a very real reality because you will tell your kids to do something or not to do something. They will hear you, but they won't actually heed what you do. Um, last night, we, we went to dinner for my mom's birthday 
uh, and we're like near the mall. And so we're like, okay, we, we, we ate a wonderful meal. It was beautiful. We got to celebrate her, which her birthday is soon, guys, so love on her. She's wonderful. Love you. Uh, <clears throat> but either way, so we're near the mall, and we're going to like, okay, let's just walk for a little bit, kind of like burn off some of these calories. And I told the girls, I'm like, hey, we're just going to walk. We're, we're, we're not going to buy anything else. We're not going to play with anything. We cannot do this bedtime soon. We're just going to enjoy each other's company. So do not ask. I'm already giving you your answer. <laughs> you can imagine what happened next. How many of you think they, they obeyed anything that I said? No. <laughs> we're walking through the mall and it's like a playground. Dad, can we please play in the program just for a couple minutes? Sweetie? What did mommy and daddy say? Like, we, we talked about this. You acknowledged that you heard me. You acknowledged that you wouldn't say anything. You wouldn't make any more requests. But dad, please, we just, we, like, every, like, what was it? Every, like, 10 yards, there's something shiny. There's something expensive. There's something, I'm like, girls. So you understand the idea of, like, there's a difference between just kind of hearing something and actually following through and responding to it with obedience, listening and obeying. That's what Jesus is talking about here. That original Greek, those two things, you can't separate them. Hearing and responding, okay? Now, it's interesting because Jesus says some pretty shocking things in the New Testament. He says things like, love your neighbor. He goes far as to say, love your enemy. Don't withhold forgiveness, even if they really wronged you. And a big one, don't be afraid. How many of you know I'm just like my daughters? I hear him, but five minutes later, I'm questioning him. I'm just like my girls. Jesus says to his sheep that his sheep hear and respond, that both of those things, they listen and obey. Okay, the next one. Uh, it says that his, his, his sheep are known by him. So how many of you guys know who Bill Gates is? Raise your hands. I need to know if, does anybody not know who Bill Gates is? <laughs> so everybody knows who Bill Gates is. Okay, if I, were to, if I were to hang out with Bill, okay, me and Bill are chilling, we're like having a good time, and I'm like, hey, and I ask Bill about you, do you think, what do you think his response is gonna be? Who? Ex- absolutely, absolutely, Okay. <clears throat> One of the most, frankly, terrifying things that Jesus ever said, Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, and do many miracles in your name? And here it is. Then I will announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, lawbreakers. Jesus, he doesn't just say that his sheep know him. He says that he knows his sheep. There's actually a relationship there, like an ongoing relationship. They spend time together every day. Okay, last one. Follow him. His sheep, follow him. Uh, this would be like the opposite of wandering. Like we talked about grazing and wandering. Following is the opposite of wandering. It's the opposite of going your own way. This is, this is learning the way of Jesus. This is following in the footsteps of Jesus. Remember, he, 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 doesn't, he doesn't drive us. He draws us, right? So we follow in the way of Jesus. We're learning to be like him Jesus says his sheep follow him. They go his way. So again, my friend, is Jesus your shepherd? With these indicators, is it Jesus' words, not mine? These indicators, is Jesus your shepherd? Or are you part of his flock? I'll, I'll close with this. I'll call the band up and the ministry team up too, if you guys can. Um, if you guys just want to hang out on the side for a little bit. <clears throat> I'm going to take a drink of water. We're good on time, I think, I hope. Okay, here's the thing. The truth is, we talk about those four markers. Stay with me. Those four markers, what describes uh, a sheep who's part of the flock of God? 
Guys, all of us are totally imperfect. We're imperfect sheep. There are times when we reject Jesus as shepherd, when we, like, we don't always believe him. We don't always trust him. We don't always listen and obey him. We don't always pursue relationship with him. We don't always follow him. Would you agree with me? Or am I the only person here that's imperfect? Yeah. But here's the cool thing. Nonetheless, despite our imperfections, Jesus makes two incredible statements in this passage. And these statements, they changed my life. The first one is this. Verse 18, he says, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down for my sheep. So basically, he willingly does that. Verse 28, he says the second thing, no one will snatch my sheep from my hand. Um, I was a pretty confident kid growing up, fairly confident. Uh, I didn't doubt myself a whole lot. Uh, I remember in... I remember in high school specifically, I was probably overconfident, uh, which is another way of saying prideful. Um, but that was the reality for me. That's kind of where I was. And I remember um, my last year of high school. I remember my senior year. And it, it was solid. Like I, I, my grades were stellar. Like I had good grades. Um, I'm excelling in athletics. I played water polo and I played basketball. Um, and in water polo, uh, I'm all league in water polo, which is a cool bragging right. You know, it's awesome. Um, in basketball and water polo, we made CIF, which is basically like the playoffs regionally, right? <clears throat> I had a bunch of friends. Like I got along with most of my peers. Uh, I was dating this girl and we had fun together, had a lot of the same friends. It was like, I felt like my, my life just felt so solid in pretty much every area. And I'm not saying that to you right now. I'd be like, I, I was kind of a big deal in high school. I wasn't. Okay, I'm just, I want to paint the picture. Like, I really, my life felt so solid in all these different areas that mattered to me. And then something drastically changed. Out of nowhere. I know it sounds silly. I'm a grown man, okay? And I've genuinely, like, I'm over this. But at the time, it, like, affected me. It's all good, guys. Don't worry about it. It's so lame, but the girl broke up with me. And I didn't see it coming, like, at all. And here's the thing, guys. <laughs> it really shook my confidence. Like, I remember, I remember feeling, like, so rejected. I'm an adolescent boy, I know, but, like, I felt so rejected. I remember thinking things like, God, like, there must be something wrong with me. She sees it, and she, she there's, there's something wrong with me. And... I found out, you know, she wanted another guy, which just made it even more difficult. And as an adolescent boy, I'm like, I guess I'm not lovable. At least not as lovable as somebody else. And so my last year of high school, confident Tom, take on the world, Tom becomes like insecure Tom. And I remember thinking like, I'm a pretty good guy, like, but I guess I wasn't good enough. I wasn't good enough because she dropped me quick out of nowhere. She let me go so easily. Like it wasn't even a thought, you know? She was so quick to let me go. Why did I tell you that story? Because I know some of you in the room have felt that feeling. Someone's quick to let you go. The pain that comes from that. Maybe it was a boyfriend and girlfriend when you were formative. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was a parent. 
Maybe it was a parent. Maybe it was a close friend. Someone you trusted. Maybe it was a spouse. So quick to let you go in favor of something just a little bit more valuable. Here's what I want you to know this morning. The good shepherd is totally different. The good shepherd is different. He says, no one will snatch my sheep from my hand. He goes, I lay my life down for the sheep. Do you know what Jesus is saying in this passage, my friend? He's saying, I'll give up my life before I give up my sheep. In fact, even in death, the good shepherd says he has authority to lay his life down and authority to pick it back up again. Okay, so the the resurrection the resurrection of Jesus Christ means that he's more powerful than even death. Like he's stronger than that. So listen to me, not even death will cause his grip on you to loosen. He'll never let you go. Why? My high school, my girlfriend in high school, she found something in someone more valuable, so she let me go. Oh, but my good shepherd, my good shepherd said, you could take my life, but you can't take my sheep. Because he values his sheep more than he values even his life. I'm going to ask you one more time, is Jesus your shepherd? Are you one of his sheep? And I love it. a couple more things. Jesus says, all this stuff we just read. Remember we were talking about, he, he, he says all this at what's called the, fe- the festival of dedication. The annual celebration of what? Of new beginnings. And I love that because that's exactly what some of you in the room need. You need a brand new start. You've wandered. You've gone your own way, grazing and wandering in the good shepherd in classic form, calling out. Calling out. Start over, man. Let's start fresh. Begin again. Let me be your shepherd. Follow in my footsteps. I love his mercies are new every single morning. No matter how many times you wander, he's always calling out. His love for his sheep has not changed. And one more thing. Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd, right? But he also says something profound. He says, I'm the gate for the sheep pen. So you have the sheep pen. And that was always attached to the shepherd's house. So (laughs) to enter the sheep pen would literally mean coming home for the sheep. I love how intentional God in the flesh is. Like, that's Jesus' invitation. These are the Jews that have been rejecting him. His invitation, come home. Come home to me, where you belong. No matter what's been done, he offers you a fresh start, my friend. He's the good shepherd because his love for his sheep is unending never let them go. Will you stand with me if you're able? I want to pray for us. I'm going to listen and see if God wants to highlight anything this morning. And then we'll pray, okay? Some of us are sheep that have wandered off. And the good shepherd really is like just calling out, come home. He wants you. If that's you, I'm gonna 
In just a moment, we're going to invite you to come forward for prayer. But if that's you, please come receive ministry. Let these, let these wonderful men and women pray over you. And I feel like there's some of us, uh, Jesus has never really been your shepherd. You know what I mean by that is like some areas of your life have been off limits. Again, same invitation from the good shepherd. Come home. Come home where you belong. If that's you, I want you to come receive prayer this morning. And I, I'm just convinced uh, that God's highlighting sheep that need a new start. Like you need to receive his grace. And you know, you know specifically what for. You've been sitting here this morning and the Spirit's kind of been like stirring that up in your heart. You need a fresh new start. You need his grace. He wants to shepherd you again. I want to encourage you, come forward for prayer. Let the Spirit of God minister to you. And I I feel like there's people in the room, like you've been hurt. I know this. I just don't know to what degree there's been healing already. So I don't, don't, if, if this is you, don't feel like I'm manipulating you right now. I just feel like God's highlighting this. So maybe you're in a good spot and that's fine. But the thing, that, the, 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 the other characters um, in the story, you know, like the wolf, like you've been isolated. Like there's, you've been divided, you know? Uh, some of you have experienced that. Some of you experienced like the thief has hurt you. Something's been taken from you. Something's been taken from you. And some of you even have been hurt by the hired hand. Like church leadership's left a scar. Like there's wounds there. And God wants to heal your wounds. He's the good shepherd. He loves his sheep. So if that's you, if any of that is you, I invite you to come receive prayer right now. These men and women are going to be up here. Um, The band's going to lead us in a time of response. And then I'll come up and, and uh, facilitate communion and close us. But for the meantime, I'm going to pray over us. Will you pray with me? Father, uh, I pray that you would uh, minister in power to your sheep this morning. You'd call us back to yourself in beautiful ways, that we'd experience your embrace, your love, your care, your provision, and the security of knowing you will never let us go, ever. Not even death. Not even death can loosen your grip. You're so kind. You're so present. You're so loving. We love you and praise you. In your beautiful name, Jesus. Amen.